Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tipsy Tennis Podcast. I am your host, Adam Borak, and today I have a special episode for you guys. It is not tennis-related whatsoever. I am in Brooklyn at the Park Slope Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Academy with the professor. He is a world champion, but without further ado, I would love to introduce Mark Adami. How's it going, everybody? Just to quickly run down who you are, ranked number one master brand belt in 2017, Pan Am champion, three-time Pan Am, Pan Am champion, Nogi, Pan Am bronze medalist, absolute, what does absolute mean? Uh, no weight class. Four-time Asian Open champion, two times weight, two times absolute, European Nogi champion, European bronze medalist, three times New York Open champion, two times silver medalist and bronze medalist, BJJ Pro Champion, Boston Open Champion, Naga Expert Champion, Masters World Silver Medalist, Rome Open Silver Medalist, and Toronto Open Bronze Medalist. That's a lot. One thing that brought me here was the fact that like tennis and most uh, like martial arts, they're one-on-one sports. But first, how, how old were you when you, when you started Jiu-Jitsu? I started in 2007 and I was uh, 23. Uh, what drew you to the sport? I was actually, you know, I did like uh, Japanese jiu-jitsu when I was a kid, when I was much younger, like six or seven. And I really enjoyed it, but for whatever reason, I stopped, right? I I, I did it for like a year or so. Uh, but I always enjoyed wrestling. Uh, I put on a little weight in, in college, and I came back, and I was very unhealthy. It was my first time uh, living by myself right, without any help of family and stuff. So uh, I was eating a lot of fast food and, and all this, and I got up to like 260 pounds. So I was, I was pretty heavy for, for 5'10", that, that, that's, a, that's a big guy. And uh, when I came back, my father was like, you know, you're unhealthy and you gotta do something. So we started doing different activities. We, were, we went to the gym, it just nothing stuck. And then uh, my brother was on the high school wrestling team at the time. And his coach was like, all right, everybody on the team, in order to keep in shape for the offseason, I want you all to do jujitsu. All right. It's grappling. You'll, you'll learn a new skill, but you'll stay in shape. So my brother started training. And then, you know, my dad was like, your brother's training. You should train and put it off. And then one day I just walked in. I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk by. They had these little cards, this, these business cards. It was like a family and friends passed. I was walking by and I just picked one up off my dresser and I walked in and that was it. I, I, after the first class, I was I was addicted, even though I didn't even finish my first class. I, I was out of shape, so I, I threw up. And I was always playing sports when I was younger. I played baseball. I played hockey. Yeah, I, I didn't make healthy decisions, and, you know, my body was suffering from it. So I was definitely out of shape. And then I started doing jujitsu because I also used to smoke cigarettes. And after the first class, I, I literally threw out the pack of cigarettes. The first class, I was like... I don't know, something happened. I was like, I wanna, I wanna get good at this. And I know if I wanna get good at this, I can't keep on doing this. And that was it. Uh, I lost a lot of weight doing it. And, you know, now I'm 200 pounds, but I got as low as 168. And that was the lowest weight I've ever been as, as an adult when I was like really competing. What, what made you transition from, uh, I love rolling around with sweaty men to, I want to travel around the world and roll around with sweaty men. Yeah, I, I bring a gi everywhere I go, right? When I travel, I love traveling. It's one of my favorite things to do. I, I love experiencing different culture, food. 
is definitely, you know, form of fat guy. Uh, food is definitely on top of my list. So I have like a little wolf pack. It was me, my brother, my two cousins, and they got married. They had kids and they couldn't travel with me. Right. So uh, a great way to meet people, especially local, to go, go to a jiu-jitsu gym. My first day, I'd bring my gi, my no-gi stuff. I'd, I'd, I'd go straight to a jiu-jitsu gym, automatic friend, right right away. Oh, you got to go to this restaurant. Let's go out for a drink. It's great to have you. And, and you meet a lot of amazing people doing it. Uh, you, you, you get to train all around the world in, in yeah. beautiful places and it, di experience different things and uh, that slowly started to become like, oh, oh now you want to teach a class? And I, I would teach, and mm -hmm. it just became, you know, mixing my two loves together, basically. So so it wasn't something that you, like, really planned for? It just kind of, like, unraveled naturally? Yeah, I, wa I wanted to... My first trip was uh, to Japan by myself. It was my first trip alone, and I was nervous because I'm going to a country where I don't know the language, and I walked into a jiu-jitsu gym. I met a few people, uh, even a few Americans that, that moved there for, for whatever reason, for work. And they kind of, you got to go here. Shit. Well, are you free tomorrow night? I, I, I'm going this place. You should come. And, and that's how it kind of evolved. And it, I just kept on doing it. You know, you, you got to make sure you, you're keeping yourself safe and you're there to enjoy yourself. So it's good. That's pretty cool. So my brother is three and a half years older than me. Okay. And so when we were younger, there was definitely a rivalry between us. Uh, did you ever have that with your brother? Was there any? Yeah, I, I think that's one of the the, the motivating uh, factors for me. I was like, I don't want my little brother to be able to beat me up. You know, he's already a bigger guy than me. He's 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 a lot heavier. He's 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 stocky. He's taller. And yeah, we would we would the first like year and a half of training. It was like, oh, he's going to class. I'm going to class. He's go. How many classes is he doing? I gotta, I gotta do one more class. So we were motivated to to beat each other, right? Yeah. I want to be better than him. He's my little brother. He wanted to be better than me. I'm, I'm the older brother. So we, you know, that that was definitely a a good healthy competition. So the 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 list that I gave you, like European champion, this Open champion, silver medalist, was any of it like paid fighting? Or Unfortunately, no, there's even at like the professional level, there's back then. Now, thank God for, uh, there's an organization called Flow Grappling and they run like a, a great website where you can see all your fights and they're always filming and then they put on events where now, the, you know, jiu-jitsu practitioners only started getting paid for competitions as in the last five years, I'm going to say. Okay. So it, it, it recently just started and and most jiu-jitsu practitioners they they would do they would make their money in two ways either doing seminars which is not really sustainable you know because you got to find the people who want to do seminars and then you you know you're not going to be doing them every day every every weekend or even every month and then the other way is to open up an academy uh people were really doing those competitions for the love of jiu-jitsu so, so that money is not in the way of the sport just yet, but I'm sure it'll get there. When did you first compete in like, when did you win your first like major title? I started competing late in, in jujitsu. So most people start at white belt and blue belt and purple belt. So when I started competing, I did my first competition at purple belt. So I was a little bit later in, in, in my career and I've already 
decided that I was going to do this as a living. So uh, I worked for my first two coaches. I worked in their academy, like kind of running the gym. I was learning how to how to run the business side of things. And they had this thing where you weren't allowed to compete. You know, you they, they didn't want you to get injured. They, they, you're helping run the gym. And uh, so they kind of uh, like down-talked competition because it was more beneficial for them for you not to compete and less likely to get hurt. I wanted to be able to to take any of my students to, to, to that level. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you which way to go if I've never been there. And also, I, I, I had to do that as a coach. What did you do differently from your peers or from your competitors that helped you reach that next level and, like, also give you the confidence to just sign up for a tournament in a di- different country and go and... You know what? Jiu-Jitsu has changed me a lot uh, on and off the mats. Uh, I was not a confident person when I was overweight, obviously. Uh, I I wasn't personable. And, you know, the one thing my first coach told me, which always stuck with me, is, you know, when you're in here, don't treat this place like you treat everywhere else. Like, make this a special place. It's fun. You're coming here to get better, you know, so he's like, you know, when you get home and you take your socks off, you throw them on the floor in your room, like, it's okay, right? I'm not pick it up later. Like, don't treat this place like that, you know? Uh, don't, don't curse when you come in here. Like, get better for, you're here for one hour, right? Or an hour and a half, you know, 15 minutes before class, 15 minutes after class. Try to be better for that one hour while you're here. And don't treat this place like you treat the bar. Don't don't date the people in the school. I'm very big on that. That that can destroy your atmosphere. Uh, don't don't curse. Don't you know? Try to be a better person for that one hour and and fifteen twenty minutes that you hear, so that when you leave, maybe you're better for another hour after you leave, or maybe you know the hour that you you're thinking about getting ready for class, you're 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 better for another hour. And, and before you know it, it's three hours a day. And then, you know, you're waking up and you're like, I'm going to be better this morning. And, and, and it just, it evolves into you becoming a better person if you, if you do it that way. That's what I did to, to become better at jujitsu. And I think having that mentality, not treating this place the way I treat every other place in my life, uh, makes you better all around. And that's where you see the, the, the stuff that's on the mat and off the mat. And, you know, you, you become a better person. Not everybody becomes a better person because they, they train jujitsu. In fact, some people get worse because they get confident and cocky and they're a little bit of douchebags and it, it happens both ways. But, you know, it, a lot has to do with the coaching as well. well you know, what, what kind of environment your coach is trying to, to create in their, in their gym. So... Uh, but I, I'm very grateful for my first coach, even though we didn't work out in personally or, uh, you know, our business relationship, but he's taught me a lot uh, on and off the mat. Uh, he's taught me some things, what not to do, you know, and uh, and I value all those lessons and, and the ones that I, I keep and continue to use, I try to pass that on to my students as well. But yeah, that that's definitely one way to get better on and off the mat. Don't, don't treat the place that you love so much like you treat the other places. And I think being a good student is very important. You know, you got to be paying attention to the mistakes you're making and then fixing them. 
you know, some people, they don't really pay attention to it. And it's fine. Oh, I, I got tapped out and like, okay, wh what did you do wrong? You, you really got to study it. To, you know, we call a lot of jujitsu places. It's not jujitsu gyms or jujitsu. It's an academy. You're, you're here to learn. And if you take that into account, like, all right, this is something that I, I want to take the time to learn. You got to do some studying on the mat, studying off the mat, and j just looking yourself in the mirror and not, not lying to yourself. I, I think that goes a long way, you know, because it is competitive. There are some, some negative parts about sports, you know, uh, so there's some bullying. I, I participated in it when I was younger, when we were, you know, you want to win. And if you're on like a, you sign up for like a pickup league. Did you ever play team sports? As I, I would do like pickup, but not like formally in a league. Oh, okay. So I go to the park and try to get a spot. You're there, you're playing, you pay money and you want to win. And there's kids that aren't as good as you or the other people around and kind of like bully them. Um, you know, I've, I'll, I'll say it, I'll admit it. We've bullied people off the team because we want to win and they have to play. And, and, you know, so it's not. It's kind of survival of the fittest, and if if a kid has that drive to get better, they'll they'll last, and or if they have that love. But I, I think that you know when I was younger, maybe, you know, we scared some people away, which I'm not proud of. By but I was a kid; I was like twelve years old, bullying people. My teammates would bully me, and it worked for me though. And I'm like, oh, I saw that, but I want to be here, so I'm gonna get better. And you know, you go, you practice when you're not supposed to practice, and and, and you get better, but some kids, they didn't have that, that drive, that motivation. And they kind of like, oh, I'm, I, I quit, mm -hmm. you know, which, which sucks. And, and, and I wish, I hope that doesn't happen anymore. And I hope the coach is there and a, a good coach, like, all right, he's on the team. Like, let's, let's get better together. Like, okay, he has some weaknesses and let's help him with the skating. And, and I had, I had this really good mentor when I played hockey and I was a goalie and I was getting smashed and he, he was like, I see potential in you. He was a little bit older than me. I was like 14, he might've been like 17 or, or whatever. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'll work with you and your friends. But, but, and he would put me through these drills. And I was like the last goalie that season. The next season I was ranked like number three. And I made all those improvements just, just like, cause he loved this world. He's like, I see potential, you're good. You're just, you, you're missing a few things. And, and he taught me, and if you can, find that mentor or that person who takes interest in you, that coach, as uh, you know, I, you could get better and, and really start to have fun playing your sport because nothing is more fun than when you get good at your sport. Oh man, when a new white belt walks in and you know, that we, we start to roll and I'm able to manipulate them whichever way that I wanted that that's like, you, you sit back and you're like, Oh, all that, those training sessions are worth it. And when you're, you know, playing hockey and you're able to like stick handle past somebody and do it so smooth that it looks effortless. Like that, you, you look back at all that hard work and you're like, okay, okay, that was what that now it's getting fun, you know, but people don't want to put in that hard work and it's, it's not fun getting smashed in jujitsu. It's not fun. You know, you're skating with the puck and somebody, you know, nails you into the boards because you have to look at the puck. You can't look up as you're skiing, like that's not fun, but you got to get to the point where it becomes fun. Like there were plenty of times where like, I wanted to quit. I'm like, I fucking hate this sport. Like why, why am I doing this? And I didn't really know anything else or where like, you know, all I really knew was like to go to school and be the best I can over there and then go to tennis and how, the best I can. When you wanted to quit, 
because I I'm 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 sure that you have expressed it to your parents like I don't want to do it. What were your parents like when when you wanted to quit? Your yeah. coaches were like, yeah, go ahead. I mean, my coach, my coach is like, you know, do whatever you want. Like they saw, they obviously saw potential in me and they didn't want me to, but it stopped being a choice when I was like around like 13, 14 years old, where it was kind of like, because also tennis isn't a cheap sport. Yeah. Like we've gotten this far, like in terms of like my, like my skill and also like being how much we put into yeah. it. Um, it just doesn't make any sense to, to stop now. And so I would be given like a couple weeks break. But really, nothing, no, nothing. Nothing like really that long. And then I remember there's like there's this one tournament. It was a national tournament. I was like 16, which was a really big year because that's like uh, colleges look at the a lot of the yep. results in like 16. So they got 14, 16, 18. And I wasn't. I was playing this national. I'm playing this guy that like I'm not supposed to be. He like he was just better than me. And uh, we end up. He wins the first set. I win the second set. And then we had to play a full third. And at this point, the match was already like over two hours. We get to, I get match point. I'm, I'm up 5-4 uh, on my serve. And so I'm, a, I'm a big guy. I have a really big serve. So I'm like, oh, I got match points on my serve. I'm going to win this match. And they're losing this match. And uh, the next ra- the winner of that was going to play like the sixth seed. Or was it was like a national. So like, yeah. In, in, well, in the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was in, uh, in uh, New Jersey. The sixth seed ended up withdrawing. So the winner of that match advanced to the next round. If I had gotten that, I would have gotten like way more points. My ranking would have like shot up. Shot up. I would have been recruited. By colleges? Yeah. And so all of that stuff happened. I'm like, I'm done with this. I, I, I broke all of my rackets. Even like, I remember I, I broke two like outside. Like I, I walked outside and I smashed and then I had like a couple more at home. Or like in my bag, and then I didn't play for like a week, and I just had so much like anger and frustration still built up that even not playing tennis for a week, like in cold blood, just walked out and like broke the rest of my racket. And I'm like, I really don't want to. Every kid wants to quit doing jujitsu. Every single kid at some point wants to quit doing jujitsu, and we see it all the time with the parents and the ones that stick by the kid and coddle them. The, those I don't want to say the worst parents, right? But the the parents that that are like, no, you you're gonna do it. The changes that we've seen in the kids doing jujitsu is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they, they they've made so many changes uh, in school personality wise in a good or bad way in a good way in in su- in good ways in such good ways that 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 the kids are night and day. If they had behavioral problems or anything like that, like all gone uh, for the most part. It's like, I, I think, and and I and I bring this up because uh, my parents let me quit like baseball when I was in high school. And I, you know, me and my brother were so good at baseball at one point. And I, I feel like if they would have pushed me just a little bit more or, or, or didn't give me the option, uh, you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't, I didn't, I'm not saying I would have went pro, but I, I want to know where, where that could have taken me. You know, I want to, I want to know how far I've could have gone in. And I think a little bit of pushing from the parents and not letting your kid fold so easily, uh, when the times get tough, I, th- I think that's so important. And I've seen it over and over again. Now that I'm a coach, there, there's kids that are like, I want to quit. And their parents come to us. They want to quit. We're, what are we going to do? And we work together 
And, you know, three, four, five months later, when the kids start to get good, what happens? It gets fun for them again. Like, of course it's not fun because they're, they're sitting there, they're getting smashed. They got another kid on top of them, trying to choke them, trying to arm lock them. And of course it's not fun. No, no shit. And then once they get over that, they, they learn one or two tricks. Like, oh, I'm not getting smashed anymore. And then, oh, in fact, not only am I not getting smashed, now I'm doing a little smash and it gets fun and the kids get addicted. Like, just to get over that one hump, I wish parents understood what was going on in the sport. And they don't because most of the parents don't do it. I'm, I'm going to say 90%. We, a, a lot of our parents do train, actually. But most, for the most part, they don't. And if they can just, just kind of like understand what's happening like this is such a good sport for your kids self-esteem for their fitness uh self-defense it's a it's a really great sport and they just got to kind of not coddle the kids sometimes we have other parents that are like kids come over crying you're like get your ass back out there go go ahead yeah go go have you ever had a an adult cry on the map yeah of course people beat themselves up way too much it's being a coach is is difficult because everybody wants to quit at some point everybody everybody's going to want to quit at some point it's it's you know it's how far you can take them and trying to relate is probably the the best thing doing this for 15 years 16 years now i've gone through it if i know i haven't gone through it you can borrow it. professor chris Professor Steve, Professor Crisilla, he's 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 gone through the same thing, you know. Uh, I mean, one of my training partners, he he's gone through it. I'm having a tough time. I'm getting beat up. But join the club. Yeah, I hate when white belts tell me that. Like, no shit. Yeah, you're getting beat up, but that other white belt. Don't worry about that other white belt. He's ten years younger than you. He used to wrestle. He's a white belt in jujitsu, but he's he he has grappling experience, or they're super athletic. Like, don't you're not that person. So. If you can just relate to somebody uh, when they want to quit and give I stories or you stories or borrow experiences. What's the wildest thing that you've seen on the mess? Okay, I, got, I, I, I have two stories. We have this one student, this girl, Minya. She's been with us for since she's like in the Little Grapplers, which is like starting at five. She didn't start that young, but now she's in the adult class. And she was rolling. Her hand got stuck. Right. And they like rolled and her wrist snapped, broke her wrist and her hand was here. Her wrist was here. Her arm was there. It was, I almost threw up looking at it and she was here. She right here. Oh my goodness. And she was it's terrible. She was so gangster about it. She's like, professor, I broke my wrist. And I was like, oh my God, I was, I, it was gross looking. It was just like a hand was all mangled and she was so tough and. She's like, oh, what do I do? And I, there was a nurse on the mat and he helped out and she went to, we took her to the hospital, her bad meta there. And uh, she came back though. She's, she's still training just up. And then the, the all time worst experience that I had. Oh man. Okay. I'm teaching the morning class. And still also here. Also here. Oh my God. I was teaching the morning class. This old lady and this old man walking. And she goes, can my husband use the bathroom? And we don't let people use the bathroom because you got to take your shoes off. I was like, mm -hmm. the lady reminded me of my grandmother and the man reminded me of my grandfather. And I was like, you know what? If that was my grandparents, I'd want to. I was like, sure, no problem. I was like, just 
just take off your shoes. She goes, he has Alzheimer's. He, you know, he's not aware. I was like, I'll, I'll bring him to the bathroom. I'll, I'll, I'll show him the way. I'll lead him. So we're walking across the mat and we get to the bathroom right over here. And I turn around. I was like, there's the bathroom. And he goes, I shit you not. And he was like, I already went. And I turn around and there is shit all the way across the mat. And my, the mats are full. There's a full class going on. We're like 20 minutes in. And then all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose. I was like, I, was, I screamed. I was like, everybody off the mat. Like nobody's wearing shoes. We're all sweating. And the students were great about it. We had this one guy, Sandro, who worked with elderly people. And we had a few teachers who were just like, that was literally the worst experience. We all put on like rubber gloves and we were cleaning. I felt bad for the wife. She's like embarrassed. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I was like, I was like, it's done. Don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. I was like, go help your husband. It was, that was an interesting morning, but that was literally the worst story ever. And I called up my business partner and I was like, you know, you're not going to believe what just happened. And he's like, no. I was like, yeah, we had it on camera. That was literally the worst thing that ever happened all the time. That was disgusting. Yeah. But that's what, that's what went out. Oh my goodness. That class got canceled. We, we opened up later on. We, we, I spent all day cleaning. We bleached it first, then we bleached it again. Then, you know, it, we, we chemical burned the mat for sure. Uh, that's the worst thing you want on the mat. It was, it was disgusting. Normally I, I ask this question, uh, for, for tennis players, who would you want to play against? But, uh, if there's one, one guy you can roll with, maybe like an MMA fighter or like Joe Rogan. This is the great thing. I've literally trained with so many jujitsu heroes, you know, uh, you name a few, probably, you know, the biggest name uh marcus almeida his nickname is bruchesha he's like 12-time world champion you know i've trained he came to the city to to teach at my coach's gym i got to train with him uh felipe pena another like he's he's probably like one of the top three grapplers in the world right now when i went to go do the nogi world championships he was teaching at this jiu-jitsu studio i got to train with him mm -hmm. uh Terra, one of my favorite jiu-jitsu uh coaches he's like 12-time world champion he's been to this academy like three times and yuri samoas who's top two or three grapplers in the world he's been here he's he's a good good friend of mine we're always talking and I, I, I get to train with him whenever he's around or that's the single greatest thing about you can go to these guys gym or, or women's gyms and you can literally train with your jujitsu hero. It's still the sport isn't that big where like the, the, the athletes aren't like but they'll literally train with you. It's like going to have a pickup basketball game with Jordan, you know, or, or LeBron James, like people who are still actively playing in the NBA or, or whatever sport, and we still get to train with these guys. And I, I think it's, it's, that's probably the best thing about the sport. We've had random UFC people walk in the door that wanted to train. Uh, there, there was, there's this Greek guy, George, I can't even pronounce his last name. 
UFC fighter for many, many years. One day he just walked in. He's like, can I train? And my, I, I didn't recognize him. My business partner was like, you are the UFC fighter, George, whatever. It's a very Greek. Uh, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I, I just, I moved not too far away. I just, I needed to train. And he just came in and he trained. Yeah. So how do you, how do, how do guys like that train? So when he comes here, is it just like. It's just grappling. We, we would. Firing. Yeah. We, we trained. He was super nice. The biggest person who came to this school was Anderson Silver. You probably know. I know him. That is the first name I know. Yeah. So his coach is his jujitsu coach, uh, Delahiva. We might recognize that name, the Delahiva guard in, in jujitsu. If you don't, it's all right. Uh, so one of my friends is Delahiva's black belt. And it was Super Bowl Sunday, and and I got a call like, "Hey, uh, Anderson's fighting in the first UFC in Brooklyn, right at the Barclays Center. He needed a place to train. Would you be able to open? I know it's Super Bowl Sunday." I was like, "But, but Anderson Silva, sure." It came down. It was him and his like three coaches. Got to watch him train and and all that thing. And yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to train with him because he does, he's not going to train with strangers two days before a fight. But it was it was it was a cool experience uh, to to have one of the the greats on the mat. So it was good. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tipsy Tennis Podcast. I had a blast shooting this episode with Mark. He has the Jujitsu Academy that's right up my block. So I I've stopped in a few times. I've done about three months or so of jujitsu here and there. I obviously have to be careful because I also need to, I can't get injured for tennis. Mark was such an awesome guest. And even though it wasn't tennis related, I think the things that he said applies so beautifully to tennis and also life in general. There's some bits and pieces of life advice in there. If you're ever in Brooklyn and want a free intro lesson, hit up Mark and let him know that you got this from the Tipsy Tennis Podcast. He'll hook you up. You'll get a gi, beginner gi, and get to experience what all the fun is about. Thank you to everybody who follows me on Instagram. Finally hit a 1,000 followers over there, and I'm going to be transitioning a little bit into YouTube as well with some longer formatted videos, so check that out. That is it for this episode of the Tipsy Tennis Podcast. Stay tipsy. What what goes through your mind right before you are about to like roll with somebody in a, on a competitive level a lot goes through your mind a lot of doubt what if they know something that i don't what if they play the game i don't like you know playing against so a lot of doubt goes into your mind but it all goes away you know once you get out there like what you slap hands and, and fist bump and, and just like muscle memory takes over and you just you just got to beat that you know that that's what i like about competition because you're getting over that mental that mental wall that you're that you set up for yourself. Like I can't do, I mean, you're scared the night before. That's why I love the night before a competition. I love going to a movie theater. You just like kind of shut everything out for like two, three hours is very helpful to me. And I, I also like going to the movies. So that that's like one of my favorite things to do.